0: Hello everyone, welcome to episode 311 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's episode is a pro tip. So you know what that means. It's not just me today and a guest, it's me and Jenny Smith. Today, Jenny and I are going to talk about long-term health as it relates to type 1 diabetes. This one's a little less pro tippy and a little more conversational. The information rises to the level of pro tip. But the style of conversation is more like Jenny and I got together as friends and I said, hey, tell me your thoughts about this. And then we chatted about it. It's a little more laid back, a little more conversational, but the information is definitely something you want to have in your tool belt. And that's why this episode is part of the Diabetes Pro Tip series that begins back on episode 210. This episode of the Juicebox Podcast is sponsored proudly by Dexcom, makers of the G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor, and of course, Omnipod, the tubeless insulin pump that my daughter has been using for 11, 12 years. It's a long time. It's been on her every day for that time. Must be good. I'll never forget the day I was sitting in a hotel lobby when a person asked me, what's next for your podcast? What are you going to do to innovate it and keep it moving? And I said, I'm going to do a pro tip series. I think I have all these ideas and i want to bring them all together and really talk through them with somebody equally knowledgeable, but who will come from a different perspective. And I had that person in mind already. That person was Jennifer Smith because Jenny holds a bachelor's degree in human nutrition and biology from the university of Wisconsin. She's a registered and licensed dietitian, a certified diabetes educator, a certified trainer on most makes and models of insulin pumps and continuous glucose monitors. Plus she's had type one diabetes for over three decades and bonus. I like Jenny. I like the way she talks about type one. I just There's a goodness about her. She seemed like the right person, and she certainly has been. It's been over a year since the first Pro Tip episode came out at Episode 210, and today is the 17th in the series, I believe. you got to go check them out. They're all listed as Diabetes Pro Tip. There's a colon and then the titles afterwards. One last thing, you know what it is. Please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box Podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise, please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin.
1: What are we doing today?
0: We are going to do a, a pro tip episode oh. that you suggested. And I prevention of long-term complications, you said. Ah. And you said, what does optimizing glucose long-term do for keeping things healthy? So I feel like what you meant by that is Low, less variability, not low, but in, you know, lower than what a lot of people go for less variability, uh, lower standard deviation. How is that going to help you throughout a lifetime? And so I feel like between that and some other safety ideas that I'd like to bring into the conversation, I think we're going to have a good, uh, a good talk here. So I guess first, why don't we talk about a little bit through time, right? Where does everybody, and by everybody, I mean doctors, where do they get the information that they put on their patients? You know, I'd like to see you have an A1C of X. Does that come from the American Diabetes Association? Do they set the tone? Who sets the tone for what we should be shooting for? Because somebody does it.
1: As far as targets, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, well, targets come. It's funny. I just had a conversation um, with somebody who listened to the podcast, and I had a first visit with her just before this. Um, she asked the same exact thing. She's like, I'm getting all of these different targets from different people. And she's like, I, I don't even know what to believe anymore for a target. She's like, I know where I feel good. and I know where I kind of want to be. But what am I aiming for? And I, I said, well, there are a couple. So the American Diabetes Association aims for um, you know, post-meal target under 180. Okay. That comes from the American Diabetes Association. Um, through research and gathering of all of this information and you know whatnot, and looking at complications down the road cumulatively, they aim for less than one eighty. Now, the American Association of Clinical Endocrinologists recommends less than one sixty. So
0: less than one sixty.
1: Less than one sixty. Okay. So there are two high in. The ranks of diabetes management that are different already, right? Mm -hmm. And then we bring into the mix, well, what are recommendations even further than that? Like pregnancy. Pregnancy recommendations, you know, are for the most part under 120, fasting under 100, um, and post-meal no higher than 140.
0: So um, is what I'm hearing, good, good, finish your thoughts. Confusion. Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: confusion entirely. And then I had a woman in a couple of years ago, postpartum, I had her vi- a visit with her. And she's like, so I was aiming for all of these targets in pregnancy to keep my baby growing healthy and myself. And she's like, and then my doctor tells me to loosen up my target in my pump and tells me I don't have to be so, you know, quote unquote, tightly managed. And she's like, sh- she's like, I want to ask your opinion, Jenny. She's like, Why wouldn't I want to stay this tightly controlled if it was good for me in pregnancy? And these are targets that people without diabetes maintain because their body does what it's supposed to do. It's like, why wouldn't I want to maintain this whether I'm pregnant or not?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So here's... You're right. Exactly. And here's what it's making me feel like. So much like with everything about diabetes, when you try to give someone like this just I don't know. uh, This is how things are, right? Like it, it, 180, 160, 120, whatever anybody ends up saying that that's not personal and, and personal between should be considerations should be you, your intent, your involvement, your intellect, your understanding. Then it should be, am I injecting? Am I using a long acting insulin? That's, you know, was made 20 years ago, or am I using one of them that's, you know, been made more recently that people, find more stable a lot of the times am i using a pump do i have a glucose monitor is it a you know is it a libre or is it a dexcom is it the g6 or is it the g4 like it would seem to me that all of those variables would would make it more or less likely for me to be able to maintain targets that are lower or higher Mm -hmm. right and so then you get the doctor like what you just said about the pregnant person I feel like that doctor was like, look, you must have had to have killed yourself to keep your blood sugar that low, (laughs) right? Like obviously it ate up nine, you know, nine months of your life. You did nothing but keep your blood sugar in check, have to pee and watch television. That must have been your whole (laughs) nine months, right? Like, like you're talking to a guy in 1920. He's like, you know, you didn't even have time to make me my pot roast. (laughs) Like, like, like that kind of, like, like an old time idea, Right.
1: And now you come into the office and you look like you've got baby spit hanging off your ear and you look like you haven't slept or combed your hair. So let's loosen things up. Sure. Right?
0: Right. I think that what would make your day easier is if you were less healthy. (laughs) But it's not, it, it becomes about, and I get that, right? Like I think that out away from the ideas that we talk about on the podcast, maybe that's real. Do you know what I mean? But when you start telling people... When I, when I start asking people, you've been at this for a while now, six months, eight months, is it that hard? They say no. Like most of the people, I don't want to say most of them, everyone I've ever spoken to who's picked up the ideas of the podcast, put them in practice and gotten to the point where it's just second nature. They don't think about diabetes very much. These these targets are meaningless because you get to a spot and you stay at that spot. If you leave that spot, you know how to get back to that spot. Right. That seems like it to me, honestly.
1: Right. And from the standpoint of, you know, prevention, I mean, that's the, that's one of the biggest things that brought out beyond, well, here's your insulin, here's how to inject it. And oh, by the way, insulin can cause your blood sugar to go too low. Complications are always within the first, like, new onset diagnosis discussion. Always Mm -hmm. something about complications, always, like, you have to control things. I love that word control, because like a... (laughs) Like what, a moving target of yeah. control. Well, not
0: <laughs> only that, by the way, it gives you the impression that you're going to be out of control, and it's right. your job to control the chaos. Correct. Right.
1: Exactly. It's like your job to herd all of the million cats in your yard with no fences. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What yeah. if
0: I just didn't let the cats in? How would that be? Right. <laughs> right.
1: How would that be? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Exactly. So you know the prevention of complications. I, I mean, there's no, there's no set solution, really, on how to a hundred percent. Prevent complications. In research, we've seen people with many years of diabetes. Some of them poorly, you know, managed. Some of them tightly managed. And complications can start for people at different points of time. And and that makes it seem like, well, gosh, I'm just going to throw my hands up in the air if I can't 100% prevent anything. But what we do along the way makes you feel good. Mm-hmm on a day-to-day basis, with tighter containment of things overall, yes, you are likely, 99% likely, avoiding the complications down the road, right. right? That 1% that something could happen, sure, it could be there, but I don't think there are many things in this world that are 100% right.
0: perfection. And so, to right? your point, it's, it's presented incorrectly to people. It l- is. L- like, right away, like, you know... It, it's not your goal not to die, right? It's your goal to live really well until you die. Until you die, Right, right. And and if you can extend those years, wonderful. But, you know, it's just, and and you just said too about how people feel. I've been talking about that a lot lately. I don't know why people don't think about that. Like just how they feel every day. Like, you know, are they tired? Are they sluggish? All the stuff that we've spoken about over and over again, why is that not important to them? And mm-hmm. and I don't think it's not. I think they find it to be something they can't impact, which isn't true. It just isn't. Right. Like there are times, there are times, Jenny, when I'm afraid people will realize that when I keep saying over and over again, it's about timing and amount and common sense. They're gonna go, huh? I don't think I need to listen to that podcast. That guy might be right about that. Like, why don't I just time my insulin better? And when I see something happening, go, huh? That makes sense. I should Deal do this it. now. Yeah, right. right. Because. I mean, honestly, there's no, po- if you guys all figure it out, the podcast is over. <laughs> Basically, right. I, um, I, 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 you know, obviously there'll always be newly diagnosed people who are going to get this terrible Need information something. and start down the wrong path. Um, yeah. I just, I want, I want people to think more about how they feel. And I spoke about this in my talk this weekend, and I've said it here before too, but you have to, you have to believe that if your blood sugar is constantly high, you're altered. You just are. Like there is a person without, in the
1: short term and long term.
0: Yeah, there's a person you would be intellectually, uh, articulately that you don't get to be when your blood sugar's high or or, or crazy low or bouncing around, right? Because right. your brain's always just it's it's it just it's Correct. it's not where it needs to be. I don't know. And
1: within that, even within that day to day feeling, are those behind the scenes unfortunate what's happening in the body that you aren't feeling Mm -hmm. like we know how high blood sugars make us feel. And if you're paying attention, you know, the containment of them, you get out of that. You can think better, you can act better, you can do the things you enjoy doing, but behind the scenes internally, what's happening with better management is you're not causing damage to cells. You know, I mean, especially heart disease. I mean, heart disease is a huge component that We have to take into consideration, but it's not like it has to be there in your brain every single day. If you are managing the blood sugars, you're also managing a healthy heart. You're also managing healthy kidneys, healthy nerve cells, healthy eyes. You're managing those internal pieces that until they are damaged enough and give you indication that there's a problem, you're managing that along the way so that you don't get to the end of the road and have heart disease. Or kidney problems or whatnot,
0: right? Yes. So. And where do you stand? Have you ever heard me explain how I think of it with the sandblasting? Have I ever said that? Because here's the place to say it, it if I've, I've never said it to you. you. Okay. No. So the way I think about high blood pressure, uh, high blood sugars, and back when my kid was little, and I was looking for motivation, like seriously, like what, what's gonna get me up at two o'clock in the morning to correct a 150 blood sugar when my doctors tell me that's okay? Like, what's the motivation? And whether I'm right or wrong, technically, in my mind, it feels like this. My body is built to withstand a certain amount, a certain content of sugar, glucose, in my bloodstream. And when there's more there, on a cellular level, glucose is still sharp, right? It's like it, it's, it's like if you take a, a sugar and you spill it on the table, you look at it, it's coarse and, you know, it's sharp. And right. even on a molecular level, like smaller, smaller, it's still sharp. So when you pack too much of it into your veins and your arteries that run through your heart and your eyes and your legs and your fingertips and everything else, that, that sharpness is scratching at the inside of that soft tissue and those veins and those arteries. And one day, it'll wear through a little hole. And if it wears through a hole in your heart, you have a heart attack. If it wears through a hole in your eye, you have vision trouble. If it starts wearing through in your feet, you might not be able to feel your feet. And on and on and again. So all of the diabetes complications that are on a list somewhere in your doctor's office to scare the hell out of you. What it really means is if your blood sugar is too high, you know, what inside of your body is it going to rub through first and create a breach? And, you know, and will that breach, you know, and that breach will hurt you. My, you know, we talked recently about my friend, Mike, who passed away. He was on dialysis. So Mm -hmm. the first thing that it rubbed through was his kidneys. And then as he was on dialysis, the second thing it rubbed through was his heart. And then he had a heart attack and he died and that's it. Mm-hmm. And he'll, he'll, his death certificate says he died from complications of type one diabetes. Right. Yeah, so that's it.
1: Right. And that's a great, it's a very layman's way to understand it. Cause I think that the textbook explanation is it's too clinical. It's too medical. And I think that's why for the most part, People are aware of complications, but when you explain it such as that damage piece, and I used to explain it in the class, the type two classes that I used to teach, um, is that high sugars cause damage to the inside of your vessels, cause damage to the the outsides of the nerves and everything, and almost like eat it away. So like a sandblast, yes, it's like cutting and cutting and cutting and calling, causing small abrasions, right? Mm-hmm scratches, scrapes that the body actually tries and your body is a, it's a, it's a self-healing like organism, right? Which it's, is it's why it doesn't med- happen
0: to you right away. It, it's Correct. fixing little, making little patches. It's like your road crew in town filling potholes when you think, can you just Correct. repave the whole road? And they're like, nope, best we can do is pop you know, a little patch in this hole. Right. Um,
1: and it's more inflammation. I mean, long-term, those little holes are really from inflammation in the lining and along the cells and whatnot. And over time, I mean, if that inflammation causes a tear, the body tries to patch the tear. Well, if more and more tears happen and more and more patches get placed into the vessels,
0: you know, and I know visually
1: this isn't a podcast people (laughs) can see, but as you can see, my hands get closer and closer together to indicate the constriction and the narrowing of vessels. So then we have heart disease and potential for stroke and problems with blood flow, getting to the kidneys to do what they're supposed to do and circulation to your fingers and your toes and everything.
0: See, and Jenny, the way I think of it is I was just there one day in my house trying to talk myself into not giving up before I understood what was going on. Right? So what do I need to do to not give up? And this is how I put it. It's really no different than a football coach who just has a player Has three brain cells in his head and he goes look see this line right here Don't let that ball go past that line. And that really is how I dumped it down for myself I was like, I can't let that ball go past that line. Like I have Mm -hmm. to try to figure out how to stop that um And I think everything that everyone's listened to since then is born from that idea Like how do I stop this from happening? right and I've had that moment where I realized I may not be stopping it from happening too. Like maybe my kid genetically is just the one who can't withstand having type 1 diabetes. I don't know. You know what I mean? But she certainly has a better chance the way the way she lives right now than she would if I just listened to, you know, just keep her under that, 200, you know. Right. Don't don't let her spike over 180 or 160 or whatever after a meal if you right. you know, if you can. Um, to me that was just that just made sense in the moment when I was scared and alone and I didn't know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I just thought like, I need a, I need a, I need a goal, you know? Right. Um, why? And blood
1: blood sugar. Oh, sorry. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead.
0: No, 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 please. Go ahead. Blood sugar. (laughs) I was
1: going to say, um, blood sugar is a big piece of it, but you know, the other components to those complications too are the other factors that also contribute to blood sugar management. Right. Mm -hmm. So the kind of nutrition you take in, sedentary versus more active lifestyle all of those are also huge benefit for long-term health outside of just controlling or managing your blood sugar
0: and all of those things become exponentially more important when you have type 1 diabetes they're important right. to a person who doesn't have it it becomes even more important when you do like sometimes you just feel like you know like how many how many gunfighters are going to be on the other side before I just, I don't have time to get to them mall. You, you know what I mean? Like I'm going to get overwhelmed because there's just so much over there. So you have to give yourself a chance, right. you, you know, and aside from the idea that exercise helps you keep lower blood sugars, like that aside, exercise does all the other things that exercise yeah. does. You know, it's funny. I, it's worth mentioning here that I realized the other day that some people refer to me behind my back as like somebody who pushes carbs on people. And I thought, that's odd. I've never considered that before. Excuse me, but I guess more low-carb people kind of can feel that way a little bit. But I listened to it, and I thought it through, and I I don't feel like I do that. I feel like this podcast teaches, talks about, preaches maybe, how to use your insulin, like how insulin works. And I say all the time, once you know how your insulin works, I don't care what you eat. you You do whatever you want. But I think you need to know whether you're low-carb or whether you're a person who's like, wow, I think I could eat that whole box of Ho-Hos. Like, like whether whoever you are in that scenario, you know, one side or the other, if you understand how to use the insulin, you can accomplish it. I'm not saying right. because I know how to bolus for Chinese food, you should do it every day. Every day. <laughs> right. Every Just not... because I know
1: how to bolus the chocolate chip muffin and yes. the chocolate milk and the Hershey syrup on top mm-hmm. doesn't mean it should comprise every meal because – is that better than an apple with peanut butter? Right. And nutrition wise, probably not, but
0: (laughs) and is there a danger? I found myself wondering of people focusing on themselves so much as diabetes that they forget to think of themselves as person. Like, you know what I mean? Like does, does a piece of, does a big cupcake not seem unhealthy anymore because you know how to stop a spike from happening when you eat it. And that's, important to remember that it's still a, it's still a cupcake it's still something that's you know a once in a while thing not a everyday thing because I can bolus for it um, and, and I think that's so I think Jenny's point is important too is that there's just a lot more that impacts your health than just your blood sugar um, and we sometimes we talk too much not too much but we're so focused on trying to understand it because there's so many components that people don't understand that you stop thinking about like hey you know what else is easy to is for broccoli.
1: It's learning to manage the insulin around what you eat. You yeah. decide what you're going to eat, and you figure out how to manage it. Right. It's not encouraging people to eat a high carb diet.
0: Not at all. I don't see it that way at all. I but. see it as understanding insulin. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just how it is. I, I I was speaking somewhere recently, and I looked down and saw a person in the crowd who. Um, this has happened to me about three times since I've been doing public speaking around diabetes. But I've looked down to see what I would call like an old school person in the diabetes community. And when I'm talking, I can see on their face, they're just, they're somewhere between angry and horrified. That yeah. I that I would even deign to talk about insulin and how to use it. You, you know, like you can't tell people to, you. Like, I when I'm on, when I'm up on stage, I tell people no different than you know, what I say here, right? I'm like, basil's right. first. Be- we have to have your basil right because we can't just start pre-bolusing and doing other stuff because if your basil's wrong, it could end up being dangerous. So right. first we get your basil right. Now, after that, step two, you have to pre-bolus your meals. And that's usually when I look down and see like somewhere like a 60-year-old mom whose kids had diabetes for 30 years and Like, you know, like their arms are moving around and like, oh, you can't say that to people. You're going to kill them. You you know and I'm like? "Uh, All right. And so I'm like, you're thinking about this in a different way before that you're, you're not considering the technology. You're not considering that these are not the same lost lambs that you talked to 30 years ago, right? Like these people are here to find this out. They want to know this.
1: And long ago to bring in long ago. Timing was an insulin issue long ago. I've had diabetes 31 and a half years. Okay. I started on our insulin and the cloudy what most people started on something called NPH or N. I was on L, which was Lily's brand. Okay. Um, I did no carb counting. I used the exchange diet. I took exactly this amount of starches and fruit portion and vegetable and protein and fat at every meal and my mom or dad gave me my insulin mixed in a syringe at breakfast and at dinner time and I eat it strategic <laughs> times and exactly the same amount of food there was no other than measuring the food for the right portion there was no carb counting there was no insulin based on carb it was you take your insulin and from the dosing standpoint my insulin regular insulin you know it's Whoa! I mean, we call it short acting. Right. It's whoa. takes forever. I yeah. mean, it, my mom would dose me 45 minutes, an hour before I even started to eat in order to curb that post-meal ride.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so everything you just said is about using the right amount at the right time. Timing. Like, yeah, it's timing. It's all timing. Like, yeah. like I, again, I, that I figured it out. I mean, we should all be able to figure it out <laughs> right. really I know myself trust me it's there's not a lot like i'm not you know I'm not over here um figuring out the Pythagorean theory after um or theorem, whatever it's called right. I, see I don't know um after I get off the podcast um yeah, I just don't think i I think there's so much fear in now that we forget later, and you know mm-hmm. what we're talking about right now is long term health and so right. Let me jump to, I can't quote it, I don't have it in front of me, I don't know where it came from, but I think everyone's fairly aware of this article that came out in the last six months that tried to say that lower A1Cs aren't necessarily an indicator of health. And that, you know, did you see that one? They started talking about, like, you can have an A1C like this here, it'll be fine. Um, it, It tried to give the impression, to me that the way I saw it was someone trying to say, look, I know a lot of you are using this technology to do better, but you really shouldn't do that. Like, it's not necessary. And I thought, well, how do you know? You you, you know what I mean? Like, like, I thought the same thing I thought when I saw vaping the first time. I was like, I have no interest in that. But if I did, I wouldn't do it because right. I don't want to be the one to find out 10 years from now what happens because no one knows, you know? Right. So is there any in your mind... If you're safely at, if you're in the fives and you're A1C, and look, you know what I'm going to do here? I'm going to actually pull up an email to make my point. Hold on one second. It's going to take me a second to find it. I apologize for that. But I got this email this morning from a person I know who listens a lot. And when she emailed, I thought, wow, this is going to work right into what Jenny and I are talking about today. It's crazy. Oh. And it's from Laura. And this note from Laura mimics many, 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 many notes that I get. Scott, I achieved a 5.4 A1C. First time I've ever been under 6.4. But my doctor freaked out at the number of lows. And she's asking, what's an acceptable amount of time under 70? Like, how many times can I dip under 70? And, you know, and, and so I there's, first of all, it's, it's a two-step thing, right? Everybody who goes to any kind of a doctor, who's more like the lady in the crowd who's throwing her arms around yelling, don't talk about it like this. When they get their blood sugar down and they find a way to keep it stable and it starts impacting their variability and it starts impacting their A1C, the doctors flip out. They make this assumption that they have all these crazy lows and it's throwing them off. So I know what I'm okay with, but what, where where do you stand in your personal life, I guess? Like, how often do you find yourself under 70, do you think?
1: So personal versus professional, mm-hmm. I kind of, I, I really, I aim for the same thing, quite honestly. Um Overall, and this is where I think that that data is very helpful okay. from a CGM standpoint, because especially, and I speak for clarity, the other reports or the other CGMs do give you something similar as far as data, but from a clarity standpoint, clarity always gives you that overview, gives you your glucose management indicator, their quote unquote A1C, right? From CGM, not from your blood glucose, right? Um, It gives you your average glucose, it gives you your standard deviation, it also gives you this little um, like chart that shows you time in range, Mm -hmm. right? And it is based on what you have your time in range numbers set for 70 to 180, 60 to 140, 90 to 200. So you have to adjust those parameters. But Clarity has it set 70 to 180 for the most part. Right. We aim for the lows specific to be less than 5% of the time. So, from all of the gathered data, whether it's two months or two weeks or one week or whatever you're looking at, that percentage of time we're aiming for less than five percent to be low mm-hmm. and low being less than seventy less than seventy. that's that's the goal is to to be low less than seventy or less than seventy, less than five percent of the time. So, from the standpoint of overall a one c, though, you know, if if a clinician is coming and saying, hey, you know, wow, that's way too low. And they're looking at data, which proves that, well, gosh, you're hanging out in the 50s consistently. And that's why you're achieving a 5.4. Sure. And if you're low, let's say 12% of the time, okay, there's some work to do to bring that back up into range so that that 5.4 is actually Better for lack of a, a better word. Mm-hmm. Better, right? It's it's more real. Five point four in a target range that's healthy, safe, and good for you overall.
0: Yeah, you're reaching that number with quality decisions, not with Correct. not with you know being low. Correct. Correct. Um, and, and but just coming level. out
1: and saying five point four percent is oh my goodness, that's a, that's way too low, and not yeah. even looking at what what is that five point four? The person could have. Very low standard deviation. maybe their variability is twenty mm. and they're ranging somewhere between seventy and like one twenty pretty consistent or seventy and a hundred. Great, fabulous you're you're knocking it out. Have at it. continue what you're doing.
0: So when I gave the explanation of a prebolus this week this weekend, I used something that had happened an hour before because my wife was at home with Arden. And I said, actually, my wife did a great job this morning with breakfast. About an hour ago, Arden's blood sugar was 70, and it was time for lunch. Now Arden's at school, and I think 70 is a great blood sugar right before a meal. Arden's blood sugar was able to stay at that level for a number of reasons, but those reasons are evident to us as they play out because we can see her blood sugar in real time with the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. Not only can Arden see her blood sugar right there on her iPhone, but I can see it here at home on my phone as well. Because of that knowledge and seeing the stability that had existed within Arden's blood sugar for the hours prior to lunch, we were able to make a good pre-bolus and give her a nice launch into her meal time. Now that hour later, Arden's blood sugar is 132. The data that comes back from the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor is life-altering with type 1 diabetes. But being able to see it remotely, that takes life-altering to another level. So if you'd like to know what your blood sugar is, the speed and direction it's moving, and find those things out without a finger stick, the Dexcom G6 is something you should check out. I have a link you can use, dexcom.com forward slash juice box. There are links also right here in your podcast player notes and at juiceboxpodcast.com, but I think you should check out the Dexcom. Arden's results are hers and yours may vary, but I'm telling you right now, Dexcom is a game changer. Now moving from continuous glucose monitoring to insulin pumping, I'd like to talk about the Omnipod and tell you first, I have just as much affinity and love for the Omnipod as I do for Dexcom. Arden has been wearing the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump since she was four years old. She'll be turning 16 in just a couple of months. The Omnipod brings so much freedom along with the ability to pump your insulin, right? No injections all day long, no slow-acting insulin and fast-acting insulin. Let the Omnipod take care of your background basal insulin for you. It does that. Put your insulin in the pump. You get your basal insulin from the pump. And when it's time to bolus for a meal or to correct the high, same insulin, same pump. No tubing, right? So not an infusion site on your body somewhere that's attached to this plastic tubing that runs through your clothing out to a controller that has to clip to your belt. You know, whether you're an adult or a little kid, you're not looking to have something clipped to you. Here's what you can do. Go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. There you can ask Omnipod to send you an absolutely free no obligation demo of the Omnipod. It'll come directly to your house. You can try it on and see what you think for yourself. You can see the difference between wearing a shirt and not having tubing running down your sleeve. Every time I've worn a demo pod, what I have thought first was, it's amazing how quickly I forget that it's there. This is super important. This is something you have to do every day. You don't want it to be constantly bugging you. Check it out myomnipod.com forward slash juice box with the links in your show notes or the ones you'll find at juiceboxpodcast.com. An absolutely free, no obligation demo can be in your mailbox before you know it. Actually, my wife did a great job this morning with breakfast. She made a pre-bolus at like 83, right? And it was a big kind of breakfast. And Arden drifted down, drifted down. And she actually hit like 63 for like a split second and came back up. So imagine this 63 probably happened 30 minutes after my wife pushed the button, right? And probably 10 minutes after she had already started eating. So if you want to say she missed, I guess you can, but it's funny. Had she been at 68, everyone would have been like, that's amazing. But 63 is a number that somehow got into somebody's head. So I'm like, so she hit 63, one revolution of the CGM and right back again. And I said, if she didn't have a CGM, you never even would have known that that happened, right? She's she just wasn't dizzy. She, you know, nothing happened like that. I can see it because I'm looking at the data. This same person in the crowd, this person who's you know, you know, from a probably from a different era with diabetes, you know, fell just shy of, you know, back of the hand on the forehead. Oh, Scarlett, what happened? I've got the vapors. You, you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. <laughs> and I was just like, I looked over for a second. I was like, you got us. Like, I was thinking to myself, like, just stop. Like, don't, Like, look at the rest of these people. These people are enthralled. They're excited. These are people who a half an hour after they put their insulin in are running around with their blood sugars, 250. And are you really telling me that that's what you want to say is okay for them? Because when I speak to them privately, when they come up to me as I'm trying to walk around, you guys were all delightful. But people would come up and be like, hey, look, this is my, you know, my 23-year-old son's CGM. Kids like 400 and 300 all the time. Like, are you telling me it's not worth trying to do better for this kid? And so I think sometimes both in the community, in people's minds, in doctors' minds, in some older doctors' minds, there's just more of that idea, and we talk about it all the time. Like, it's better not to, like, like I don't want you to have a seizure. Like, that's it. Like, when I say don't die advice, like, that's what they're trying to say. I don't want you to have a seizure. I don't want anybody to have a seizure either. But I don't want your blood sugar to be 300 all day. You, you know, it just, it's just, it's not okay. Because we say these nice things out loud, and other people who are maybe well-meaning but don't have good information, they're like, oh, you know, I want you to be safe, blah, blah, blah. But those people you're talking to online or whatever your whatever that person's ability to get to people is, you don't get to see those people twenty years later. You don't know what's happening to them. And so I'd rather take a bet on what I'm saying being good for them twenty years later than what I hear some of those other people saying. Right. Um I, I think that if you're gonna if you're gonna roll the dice one way, you ought to roll the dice and try to be healthy, not hope right. hope that your body's the one impenetrable thing that diabetes can't find its way through yeah you know
1: right right well and there's also the safety of bringing those high numbers down too right i mean it's like you don't want to end up going from an average of 280 which means you're drifting well above 300 mm -hmm. and not quite into the low 200s to average a 280 right yes you're not going to say okay today we're at you know an average of 280 and tomorrow you're going to be averaging 100 right that's Go slow. One, <laughs> while that would be a pie in the sky, one, it's it's not ha- actually healthy.
0: To drop to that fast. To yeah. drop
1: that fast. I mean, you will have significant changes in your body. I mean, I remember when I came home from the hospital for two to three weeks after I was released from the hospital, and I think I started with an A1C in the 12s mm-hmm. when I was first diagnosed, and my blood sugar was coming down and coming down. My vision changed so much that my mom had to read me my homework in order for me to answer. And she had to write things down because my vision was so blurred. I couldn't actually see well enough to read what I needed to get my homework done. Right, right. So, and that was gradual. So again, you can imagine bringing a really high blood sugar down that's been consistently
0: stable high.
1: it, It will be problematic.
0: Um, what I said so. to this group of people was, look, I'm like, don't go home all shot out of a cannon, you know, <laughs> and be like, I usually give a unit for this, but now I'm going to do five. I'm like, no, 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 a unit and a half, maybe, exactly. you know, and I was like, and the next time go, huh, that could have been more. I said, you know, over days, bring it down, over weeks, yeah. bring it down, not like, don't go home and just be like, da, 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 da. I like, Cause that's probably not going to go so well, you know, right. Um, and, and again, basal first. And it's funny, no matter how many times I say it and how many times I preach how important it is, the look on people's faces when you say to them, I need you to get your basal insulin right is like, oh, then I give up. Like it's quick. It's, they're so quick to be like, that's not possible. I can't do that. And I'm like, no, of course you can. And that's why I've got it down to like, they're like, well, how? And I was like, look, there's a great episode on it that you could go listen to. I'm like, but if you're looking for how I think of it, I think of it like volume. Like I turn it up until it's too loud and then I start bringing it back down. So you turn it up a little, not loud enough, turn it up a little, not loud enough. And what I mean by that is turn it up a little, my blood sugar's not sitting stable where I want it to, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden you get to a spot and you go, all right, that looks like it. Or maybe it's, ooh, I went a little too far. I'll turn it back down a little right. bit. I'm like, but don't, you know, one woman's like, my basil's 0.9 you know, should, but my blood sugars are 250. Should I try one? And I'm like, I I mean, okay. I'm like, but an hour later when that doesn't work, like, could you push it up a little more for me? Like, I was like, think about what you're saying. You, your blood, your, your basal's holding you at 250 with, you know, 0.9. Like, but you want it to come down 150 points, but you only want to move it up 0.1. I was like, that doesn't make sense. Right? Like, don't you feel like it might need more than that? And she's like, yeah, I guess you're right. But that, but that's a doctor that scared her not to touch her basal insulin, and so she's. It's just it's. I don't know. I, I'm a little heartbroken. Like it's a little. It's a. It's very exciting and uplifting to talk to people and see them have some ideas they're going to take. And at the same time, when they come up to you and they show you how bad things are, you know, after the fifth, sixth, tenth one, you start feeling like, oh gosh, like I'm, not, I'm never going to reach enough people to make a difference right. in the world. Like it starts well, I feeling think like that.
1: that. Age old might even like from the adjustment standpoint, sometimes comes from the people who had diabetes a long enough time to have actually had a long enough experience with basal injected insulin mm-hmm. and how long it did take to really see the difference in an adjustment up and or down in the actual dose and the imprecision in which that basal insulin works on a 24-hour scale, right? I mean, I noticed an immense difference going from Lantus to using an insulin pump. Right, An immense difference. It was amazing.
0: Is that where that kind of that that adage is, like, make an adjustment to your basal, wait three days and see what happens? Is that what that's from?
1: For the most part, because the, well, you know, the basal insulin... clears technically within like a 20 to 24 hour time period, right? Mm-hmm. From let's say for the example, of Atlantis is supposed to work 24 hours. Most people somewhere between like 20 to 24 hours. Um, and so you adjust, you need kind of at least a 48 hour period, at least after that adjustment of incremental change by let's say two units to see if that was enough to now hold things level and steady. And then it also depends on were you taking your basal insulin in the morning or were you taking it in the evening? You know, the evening time was a little bit easier to see because you could notice an overnight with only true basal insulin there. No boluses, no food, no activity component. You were sleeping on that, right? Um, And then through the course of the rest of the next day, how did things look in between meals or after the meal bolus was gone? Did you kind of get into the next meal on a nice stable level? Were you where you wanted to be? Were you still too high? Were you drifting way too low? And then we adjust again, mm. you know? So I, I that it, it is probably where that like adjust, wait three days to see if the adjustment held things where you wanted them and then adjust again. That's kind of where that would have started, I yeah. would expect.
0: Because someone from the crowd asked me, how long is it going to take me to get my basil right? And I was like, well, I said, if, I think if you listen to that episode and you really understand it. I said, maybe a few days, you know, mm-hmm. and she says, how long would it take you? And I was like, what time is it now? <laughs> she goes, it's like, it's one o'clock. I'm like, I gotta have it done by dinner. <laughs> you know, like, so, um, and then we would adjust off the, the, the rest of the clock moving forward. Like, but there's right. a, there's somewhere there's a good number. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I just, I realized I'm I could just keep looking at the CGM and decide. I said, now, if you didn't have a CGM, it'd take me a couple of days too. Right. Right. Because now we're kind of blind and we're testing and seeing things and, you know, making sense and seeing if we can see repeating data and stuff like that. It was like, but, but looking at it, that's like, that's cheating almost. Like that, that's pretty easy. But I also infer things from pitches and lines and, and there's no, and people all the time are like, can you do an episode about how you see that? And I'm, I don't even know how to talk about it. Like, I wish I did. Like, I just look and I'm like, okay, that's not enough insulin. That's too much. This is here. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I don't know. It pops into my head, but I don't know. I really don't know how to quantify it if I'm being, I'm not joking. Well,
1: you've, you've looked at things enough and you understand, you understand insulin action, I think better because of the way that you've looked at things and the way that you've taught about things. Right. Sometimes it is hard to just nail it down and explain, hey, if this is happening here Yep. This is why, and this is how we would adjust more. And that's mm-hmm. kind of, I mean, that's kind of what we do. <laughs> we
0: sort but, of the, yeah, I guess Look at people's uh,
1: graphs and information and their insulin here. And like basal testing for a pump, especially, you know, we'll do a basal test within a time segment. I get the data the next day. I look at it, adjust here, test again tonight. Mm-hmm. They do, great, that looks awesome. We're perfect. We've got it like checked off, move on to the next. So it shouldn't be like six days in a row that you have to test that to make sure that each single one of them exactly was nailed because we adjusted it four days ago. Nope. If you adjusted it, it looks beautiful with the adjustment. Great. We're moving on. We we got it.
0: I've learned from talking to people face to face too, that the stuff they want to tell you that they think is going to help you help them is never the stuff I need to know. Do do you know (laughs) what I mean by that? They start giving the like and it's it's not I don't even mean to be funny about it. Like they're they've been paying close attention and they're like, okay, like here's a piece you absolutely have to understand. I'm like, I don't care about that, that doesn't matter. You you know, like like I'm like, how much do they weigh? How old are they? What kind of insulin are you using? What's your basal rate right now? You know, where do you sit steady when you don't have insulin in you? Blah blah blah. And then from there I'm just like, okay, turn this up, turn that down, make this this, and then let's wait and see what happens. But it's interesting because the information they've been given so far has led them to ask almost all the wrong questions. Right. That's the part that I find fascinating, right? Is that somebody has been directing them along the way. And now I talk to them and then I talk to them again, two weeks later, and now they want to make a small adjustment and they're asking the right questions. It's very interesting. Like, it's just where you, it's who talks to you first. Mm-hmm. Like it really is. It's like it, who, whoever talks to you first, you win or you lose like right then and there you don't even realize it when it's happening there's somebody being diagnosed right now in the world who's talking to a an endo who understands and they're going to go on one beautiful path they'll never find this podcast cuz they don't need it and then right. there's somebody else being you know diagnosed right now who's being told all that stuff that we you know have to debunk and then reteach
1: right. um
0: it's just it's bizarre i mean you don't like do you get cancer and get two wildly different ideas? Like does one cancer doctor say to you, hey, listen, we're going to try a little radiation and then if that doesn't work, we'll try to cut it out. And is there another doctor that says, you should go home, blow up balloons and eat birthday cake. It'll fix the whole thing because it feels like it's that far apart. You, you know what right. I mean? Like one idea is right and one idea is, I mean, I'm sure there's variations in between.
1: Well, and I think the extremes truly are the the people who still to this day for whatever reason, will go into their clinical diabetes team and they get the hand-me-your-pump. It's like handing over, like, you know, your foot. Mm -hmm. I think I said that before in an episode, didn't I? (laughs) And you're like, that's great. You think you're... Your pump is like like your foot. I, like, well, not really my foot, just a body part, right? Body you part, hand it yeah. over. They like take it away from you. You're like, oh my goodness, you've taken like my body part from me, you know? And then they bring it back to you after they've dumped this data in. They look at the data. They don't ask you anything. Mm-hmm. The doctor might actually sit there and actually might push your buttons on your pump. yeah, and physically make all the adjustments for you and you're left then handed back, reconnected with your pump and the doctor's like we adjusted some of the basils or we did this and this because I thought I saw this happening here. What's lacking there? The education. Yeah. There's Why no explanation. Why should you adjust? Where are the explanations? So the person can go home and say, okay, I understood the doctor adjusted here because he was seeing this. I'm going to now watch this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to see. Did it help? Does it make it better? Did it make it worse? Do I need to readjust this? How should I readjust it? That's missing chunk. Yeah. And... Uh, You know, I think that that piece of not educating people, nor even letting them push their own pump buttons to make the changes or add in, hey, three days in a row this past week, I was at Grandma Joe's eating like sloppy Joe's and birthday cake. And please don't pay attention to that data. It's not my true trend, but the doctor is basing adjustments off of it.
0: Messing up everything else that may have been working better than that. I brought a poor kid up on stage from the college diabetes network this past weekend. (laughs) And I just, we stood arms length apart. We put our palms together, you know, standing side to side. And I said, you know, I'm going to be insulin and he's going to be body function and carbs. And I was like, right now he and I are pushing, you know, an, an equal amount into each other and we could stand here forever like this. I was like, but as soon as I don't push quite as hard, And I, he started like overpowering me. I was like, now the carbs and the body function are winning, which means my blood sugar is going up. Mm -hmm. And and should I push too hard, I start driving that down and your blood sugar gets too low. But as long as we stay balanced and we're pushing equally on each other, this could go on like this forever. While I'm saying it audibly, I can hear people going, oh, like out in the audience, like, oh, wow. Oh, okay. And I just, as I was saying it, I thought a doctor couldn't think of that. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, cause dumb me figured it out and, and, and you know, put it into words. <laughs> like, like that was it. And just them watching that. And it's something i had done before with my own hands, like palm to palm. I've explained, I've gotten people on the phone and I've made them put their palms together and like, and like done it. And I just think like, it's, it's just, it was so simple. You could see like nodding going on and people were like, oh, okay, I get it. I found right. a million ways to talk about it since then I've talked about like bringing in more blockers to like, you know, stop a blitz, like in football, like I've talked about it in a million different ways. And every time you kind of paint a picture around it, you get somebody else to understand it. Um, I just don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. So these doctors are telling you, I want you to be healthy forever, but then they kind of, some of them don't tell you how. And so, so optimizing your glucose, right? For long-term is going to keep you as healthy as hopefully possible, right?
1: Yes. Absolutely.
0: What about gaps of fall off, right? I don't like the word burnout so much, but what if I just stop paying attention for a week that turns into a month,
1: mm-hmm. that
0: turns into six months? Is that if I if I come back from it? Now I'm not trying to give people like like I feel like I'm saying you know you can go off and you know go off and do heroin for six months and come back and it's not going to hurt you, right? Like yeah. like I'm not I'm like but I'm saying like. If you have one of those moments, the, a slip up, or your life gets you know busy, and all of a sudden you start leaving your blood sugar at one forty instead of one twenty, or one eighty instead of one fifty, right. d- is there any way to quantify what that means to you long term, or there isn't really, right?
1: It really isn't because again, there's nobody has kind of quantified exactly what amount of mismanagement equates to this amount of complication down the road yeah if you don't do this for three years you will have this amount of heart damage 10 years from now right right? there's no you can't quantify it but i think you can also not bank control that was optimal
0: yeah (laughs)
1: for the next month and saying okay i was really really awesome for six months and now i'm gonna go on like an eat all convention blowout in italy and just not care or pay attention detrimental stuff could be happening good yeah. I, I don't know what's happening in your body right but it's you don't either not, <laughs> it's not great for you but it's you know but you you're not you can't bank on the six months previous being like a code over for smoothing that out mm-hmm. and being like oh, okay this whole month of like mismanagement doesn't really count because I was so good
0: before. It's like sleep. You could get great rest six days in a row and then stay up 24 hours. You're still going to be exhausted. You can't Correct. You can't bank sleep. You can't bank health. No. You can't like that, that kind of stuff right. is really super important to understand. But, you know, it's funny because at the same time when I'm teaching people how to get going, like with their A1 season, I, I start trying to impress upon them that overnight, is easier than you think, you know? And like, once your basal's right and you're not bolusing too much or too little, you're not going to get these wild swings. Now you've got this third of the day, you know, and it's like, so if you see a 160 in the middle of the week, you know, in the middle of the day, you can feel a little better about it because you had like, you know, you were 85 for eight hours last night. right. It doesn't make whatever impact the 180 spike has. And like you said, I don't know what it does or isn't, is or isn't doing to your body, but if it is doing something, being 80 all night long doesn't stop that. Right. Y- you know, like being safe right now doesn't mean that if I burn my finger five minutes from now, it, you know, it doesn't make right. it go away. It's still right. happening. I think that's really, that's good information. So are, what are we, in your own personal life, is that how you think about it? Like just, I'm going to do my best and hope this works out?
1: I do. Because I, you know, I... I try really hard not to, like, I go to all my checkups, right? I mean, I get, like, my heart checked. And I make sure that I go to the podiatrist. and I make sure that I get my feet checked. I've never had any problems, thank goodness. Um, but I still go for all my checkups. I go and I see my ophthalmologist to make sure they check all the vessels and, you know, do the test for the puff of the Mm-hmm. Air in the eyeball, right? <laughs> like you always like you're always like,
0: Act so like really, an idiot when it hits you. You're like, oh, when it hits you, you know, <laughs> it's like the
1: anticipation of that puff of eye a puff of, of air is worse than the actual puff is. Um, but you know, I I do all of those things because I know that they are a check in the long term. And you know what? If something does come up, then the checking is also prevention for furthering problem. Yeah, maybe you right? can slow it down once you say it. Get a check on something and oh, now something is happening. Okay. One, I might beat myself up a little bit about it. I could have done this better. I could have done that. But that doesn't help. That's past. You can't go back and fix it. What you can do is continue to go forward and say, okay, I can try to do better here. Or maybe I need to add this. Or now I just need to see the eye doctor every three months instead of every six months or or once a year. Or They've got this treatment that could help me and it could make it better. And if I continue to do what I need to do, then I can prevent further complications down the road. So, yeah.
0: I also want to say that I think I've never met anybody so far, I should say, that has told me, I decided I don't care. I'm going to run full force straight ahead. I'm not going to pay that much attention to my diabetes. And however long I make it is how long I make it. Whenever one of those people runs into a complication, they have always said the same thing to me: "I wish I wouldn't have done this." Like, you know what I mean? Like, I wish I would have blah blah blah, or tried something right. else, or I it wasn't my fault even. I didn't know, but I wish I would have kept searching. Right. And and I think that that's the truth. Like, whether you make it, you know, till. You're 40 when all of a sudden you're finding out you need dialysis or you make it to 70 and you're like, I made it to 70. And then all of a sudden you're having a heart attack. A 70-year-old type 1 who's having a heart attack doesn't go, at least I made it this far. You start thinking, oh, I would like to stay alive a little longer. You know, like, like it's, it, I don't think many people get to the point of no return, whatever it is, and go – you know, I did my best and, and I'm happy with this. I think, I think that people su- really do feel like that. Like, Oh, I wish I would have whatever that means, you know, whatever they wish they would have done. I mean, if you're a person who can make it the whole way and just be like, you know, 35 years old, jumping your car over a Canyon and realizing you're not making it to the other end and go, Oh, well did my best. <laughs> like, like, <it> was <laughs> like you guys, like, that's a special, like, that's a special gear you have. But uh, what I'm saying is, is that caring now will keep you from that feeling of, I don't know what that feeling would be, how to describe it when people talk about they're, they are disappointed in themselves and then they can't shake that feeling for the rest of their life, right? Like every day they wake up with the problem and they have this feeling like, oh, maybe I could have done something about this. And then you have to live with the problem and the guilt. And it's hard, you know? So I'd, I I say all the time, I think with what we talk about on the podcast, diabetes becomes pretty, um, you know, I don't like to say easy, but I think it becomes like a second nature thing for you. I would rather put that effort into understanding a pre bolus or, you know, something like that than I would spending six, eight hours a day fighting with high blood sugars that cause a low, that have me eating, that make my life feel like turmoil that I'm not living. I'm just existing through. Correct. So I don't know. That's how I feel. Yeah.
1: Having, and that I agree. And it's kind of, the way that I feel about my own management is I do the things that I do every day to make it less of a visible upfront in my face Mm -hmm. to let it be more of a, yes, I have to manage it. I still have to look at my blood sugar. I still have to take my insulin. I still have to count my carbs and bolus the right way and whatnot. But those are like more second nature things that I just do Mm -hmm. now. And until I have like, a bad sight, or something that I really have to completely put my focus into, and you know, take care of. The normal things that I do every day are just they're part of my day.
0: Exactly, and those bad sight moments, because I I recognize what you're saying is how Arden's life is and mine with helping her, is that most of the time we are just sort of cruising along, right. And then when something really goes funky, and you're all of a sudden you have to stop thinking about life, and you're now you're focused on this diabetes thing. In my heart, I know that some people live like that all day long, every day, right? And that's just because that's an explanation to me. Like your bad sites, a great explanation because you're all that means is you're not getting insulin the way you need to. Mm-hmm. And if and if your basil's off, if you're not pre prebolusing, if you're not doing all those things, then every moment you're not getting insulin the way you should. Correct. And and so your life's always going to be, you know, like, like that.
1: And in the instance then of blood sugars being all over. You never really know unless the pump tells you if you are on a pump that you have an occlusion and that there is a real problem. You never really know if there's a pump problem you should be addressing. Yeah. I mean, I know when, I know even ahead of an occlusion alert coming that something's not right. Yeah. I can tell. Yep. Um, Because things are contained. And if I see something odd happening and I know that nobody is like injected me with like the sugar tube of (laughs) glucose, right, then clearly I'm not getting in. For whatever reason, I don't know, change it out. I I don't care. I'm going to address it. I'm going to take care of it. I'll just change my pot out and move on. But
0: see, you and Arden have a scenario, a life where your expectation is a lower, more stable number that stable. reacts the way you expect it to. We said this the other day when we were talking. Like I, I, t- I talked about how I think of the site as doing what I expect it to do. Mm-hmm. So the minute I don't see it doing what I expect, or I see a blood sugar that's all of a sudden one fifty, my, my I start thinking like I can look back. If I didn't mess this up somewhere, this is this is I'm not getting enough insulin. So I don't mess with that either. Like there's a moment. Like I think some people end up looking at a bad site for days, and then right. and then they they they'll change their pump. And they go, "Oh, it turned out to be the pump." Forty eight hours later, right? Yeah, I'm not into that. You know, yeah, I, I, the second or third time I bolus and what I want to happen doesn't happen, and vroom, it's right. I'm getting out of it. You know, well, I, I mean? actually
1: had it this morning. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't actually supposed to change um, my pod out until this evening is when it was supposed to expire, and mm-hmm. I woke up this morning, not at my normal like ish blood sugar yeah. I was like 130 something and I was like hmm, kind of odd right i like that's not where I should be and I could see all this like positive temping mm-hmm. that been kind of happening and so I look at my site and it's bloody in the window yeah. of my pod site right. and I'm like had I not checked I would just gone up Gone about things, oh, I'm higher than I normally am this morning, and I'll just correct some insulin. I'll eat for my, or I'll take for my breakfast and hope all goes well. Well, I, I just, I, I know that that's not the norm for me. So what did I do? I changed out my pod and dealt with it. it. No. Well, be,
0: yeah, because you're, you would have been fighting with that all day otherwise. Right, right. Oh, and, correct. Yeah. And my
1: post-breakfast would have been horrid. Oh, sure. I'm sure. I bet, you get, so the, for whatever I bet reason, you get 220
0: then in that situation, right? Right. Yeah.
1: Right. At least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Exactly.
0: So, Jenny, yeah. if you and I were one person, we'd be a super diabetes brain.
1: Oh my
0: goodness! we <laughs> <laughs> all in one place. Oh my gosh! All right, uh, I know you got to get going. Um, I'm not sure if we talked about what we said we were going to talk about, but I found this to be a really great conversation about um, about long term health and and ideas of how to get to it and why it's important. Yeah. So, thank you very much.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was it was good. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes you know the. The stuff about um, complications and whatnot, gets, it gets too clinical, and I think people just need a, a return to, oh, that's, that's why I'm, I'm aiming for just keeping things tighter or why I'm keeping things more in this range or whatever. I mean, they know that the complications are out there, but this is the reason I'm doing this.
0: Instead of talking about a thing that seems like it's so far away or so impossible that there's no real reason to try to plan for it not to happen because it's so far. I I will always use this example. My father smoked cigarettes all day long, two and three packs of cigarettes a day. And not like, not some like Marlboro light thing, like Chesterfield Kings, no filter. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was the tobacco left over on the floor of the place that they just rolled up and sold to people, you know? And in his thirties and his forties and his fifties, smoke 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 sixties he'd come back from uh doctor's appointments. doctor says, "I can't even tell you're a smoker, and he would wear that with a badge of honor right up until sure. smoking killed him <laughs> right up until he had uh um c o p d and then uh and then he died, so you know. Can only you can only you only stay ahead of a a charging bull for so long, right? And that's right. You don't want to be. You just you don't want to give yourself. Just rather step
1: off the path and be like.
0: Let it run by. Let it run
1: by. All right, Jenny. I'm done.
0: My dogs are barking like crazy. I think someone's breaking into the house. I might be killed soon. We'll find out. (laughs) Wouldn't be cool. (laughs) Not for me. Kelly would a love friend? it, probably. <laughs> yeah, Kelly would be like, oh, my God, finally dating. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt that. Oh, I hope not. All right, I will talk to you soon.
1: Okay, awesome. Bye-bye. Have a good day, Scott. You too, bye. Bye.
0: I bet you didn't know that you can hire Jenny. She works at Integrated Diabetes. Just go to integrateddiabetes.com, or there's a link right there in your show notes that you can email Jenny directly. Jenny is not a sponsor of the show. She's a friend of the show. But that doesn't change the fact that she's got a mortgage to pay. Huge thank you to Dexcom and Omnipod for sponsoring this and so many other episodes of the Juicebox podcast. MyOmnipod.com forward slash Juicebox. Go there today, get the demo pod, get a pod experience kit sent to you and get your Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor right now. Stop waiting. Dexcom.com forward slash Juicebox. This episode is the 17th of the Diabetes Pro Tips series. It began back on February 25th, 2019, with an episode called Newly Diagnosed or Starting Over. Then there was 211, 212. That's all about MDI and all about insulin. 217, 218, and 219, pre-bolusing, temp basals, and insulin pumping. 224, 225, and 26, mastering a CGM, bumping and nudging, and the perfect bolus. Episode 231, about the variables that come with type 1 diabetes. Episode 237, setting basal insulin. 256, exercise. In episode 263, we talk about how fat and protein impact your blood sugars, and they do. Episode 287, illness, injury, and having a surgery with type 1 diabetes. In episode 301, glucagon and low blood sugar emergencies. In episode 307, emergency room protocols, different than illness, injury, and surgery. This is what happens when you're thrust into an emergency room, not something you were planning for. And of course, today's episode 311, Diabetes Pro Tip, Long-Term Health. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Please leave a rating and review in Apple Podcasts if you're enjoying the show. But moreover, if you like what you've heard, find someone else who could use it. The only way a podcast grows is by word of mouth. So I appreciate it when you tell somebody else about the show.